Thanks for joining us today at Liberty City Podcast. Liberty City values each person's unique experience of faith, and we hope that this word impacts you today. Awesome. Well, how's it going, everybody? I want to talk to you today on the topic of it's time to dream. And if you have a Bible, turn with me to the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse number 27, and we're going to go through to about verse number, right into chapter 12. So the Bible says this in Genesis 11, verse 27. It says, Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran became the father of Lot. While his father Terah was still in the Ur of the Chaldeans, the land of his birth, Haran died. Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran. The father of both Milcah and Iscah, Now, Sarai was childless because she was not able to conceive. Terah took his son, Abram, his grandson, Lot, and his daughter-in-law, Sarai, the wife of his son, Abram, and together they set out from the Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Genesis 12.1 says this, Then the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, from your people and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples of earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went. As the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. And Proverbs 29, 18 says this in the message version. If people can't see what God is doing, they will stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. When they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity we have to both record today and hear it on Sunday. To gather together, Father, to be together, to hear your word, to worship together. Father, we pray you be with us today. Speak to us, we ask in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I will never forget, personally, I'll never forget the moment that we pulled up to 47 Dimmick Street. This was the first home that we bought. It was the, the house that Nadia so dearly wanted, a house that we could barely afford because we had no money. But it was a home, even with no savings, no plan and no experience, that we were able to purchase as our very first home many, many years ago. When we turned up to this house, it was a beat up old house. The paint exterior color was pink. It had two huge dogs and a car on the front lawn that had no wheels. So it was on bricks. Like it was just, it just wasn't happening. And, and I, I, I term it the, the vision gap between what Nadia saw in her mind and what I saw with my eyes. What she saw in her mind and what I saw with my eyes was a gap so big, and I call it the vision gap. They say that everything in life is created twice, once in the heart of a person and then once in reality. For years, it felt like we were living inside Nadia's dream at 47 Dimmick Street. We renovated that home. We made it our own. We, we painted it inside and out, and it looked much better when we left than when we first arrived. We sold that home, we dived, we tied double on that house, believing that with those cap gains and with that offering to the Lord, that it would set us up for a lifetime of not only his blessing, but 
It would be a great financial decision that would set us up in ministry. And that's exactly what happened. The dream of that house set us up to be living inside the dream of this church. What I mean is this, is that the equity, the capital gains that we had in that home and the vision that she saw set us up to be living in the middle of our church today. Let me say that one more time. The dream of that house set us up to be living inside the dream of this church. Dreams are essential. They are fuel. They keep you going. Dreams for me are a multifaceted version of a goal, aren't they? They're, a, they're something that is a 3D version of something you write on paper. It's a, it's a, a clear-cut picture that you see. Psalm 37 verse 4 says this, Take delight in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Take delight in the Lord and He will give you the what? The desires of your heart. One of the great pastors in the history of, I guess, the church over the last few decades is a man named Yongi Cho. Had a million member church, 50,000 life group leaders. He's famous for saying phrases like this. He said, you must change what you see. He saw many miracles helping people be convinced of the fact that they had to change the vision that they had for their lives, for their health, for their future, to change what you see. You and me need to change what we see. We're the product of what we see and the words that we speak. I believe that with all my heart. Dreams, though, can be elusive, can't they? They can be mysterious. Um, some people, that dreams and visions seem to come to them so clearly, but others, it takes time to dream dreams and find those pictures in our lives. They're hard to come by. They can be very hard to reach. Someone once told me you have to have a dream to make a dream come true, and isn't that the truth? We can be a victim of life or we can create the future that we want to live in through vision and dreams. Erwin McManus says this, we can create history, but that doesn't make sense because history has already been made. Let's instead create the future. In the text, we read about three characters. We read about Terah, we read about Haran, and we read about Abram. And today, I guess these three men embody for me three kinds of dreamers, or they embody three kinds of scenarios that we find ourselves in. And today I want to journey through the scripture to pull out what these men embody in their own lives and what they can mean for us today. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write down the first name. His name is Terah, and he's the father, T-E-R-A-H. And he represents for me the dreamers who start, the dreamers who begin, the dreamers who take the first step. Terah was Abraham's father, and he started the journey from the Ur of the Chaldeans to Canaan. He started from Canaan, but he only made it so far as Haran. It would be like you and me trying to drive to Toronto, but we only made it to Carlton Place. We're, we're trying to drive to, uh, all the way to the West Coast, but only made it to Alberta. He, he set out for a journey, but only made it part way. He didn't quite make it. He fell short. He, in the, in the scope of his journey, was what we might call a failure. He gave up. But you know what I like about Terah, and this is what I want to talk about for a few minutes, is that he started, he began, he took the very first step. Many people in our church have started running. Many people aim to run four or five days a week, but only run twice. We all have a devotional life. We aim for seven days, but sometimes hit three days. We wanted to do a 30-day shred, but some people made it a 33-day shred. Or some people made it to the Psalms and gave up. Too many people want to finish, and that's good. But what about beginning? Terah started. He, he failed, but that's okay because he made a start. 
We are too quick sometimes, I think, to forget the greats and overlook the fact that the greats never saw their dreams fulfilled. Booth, Wesley, Moody, Wigglesworth. The Apostle Paul never saw the 21st century. Moses, remember, never saw the promised land that he was so driven to get his people towards. Stephen never saw what an inspiration his life and particularly his death would be for us. I encourage new runners as often as I can. The hardest part is lacing up your boots and walking out the door. It's the hardest part is just taking the very first step because once you take that first step, at least you can clock it to like, I, I went for a run. It was very short, but at least I took a step. Every great journey, someone once said, starts with one small step. In fact, the great Tolkien wrote the words of Gandalf, and they go like this. It's a dangerous business, Frodo, walking out one's front door. You step out onto the road, and if you don't keep your feet, there's no knowing where you might be swept off to. We must be people who start the journey. As a youth pastor many years ago, we were inspiring the young people in our church to get involved and start Christian groups in their school and devotionals and Bible readings where Christians could come and be encouraged and unchurched kids could come and receive Christ. And this one girl, her name is Tracy, was so excited about it. She came up and she said, hey, I want to start this thing on Wednesday lunchtime. And I was like, that's so great. What are you thinking? She's like, yeah, like a Christian group for, for kids and for the unchurched to come. And, and I'm like, what are you going to call it? She's like, I want to call it the Wednesday thing. And I was like, Wednesday thing, that's the greatest name ever because it says what it is and when it is all in the same name, you know, and it's like vague enough to create some mystery, some allure. She said, yeah, it's the Wednesday thing. She started it the following week. And months and months and years later, there was an event that she ran that I went to and I spoke at in their, in their school hall. And a friend of mine, his name was Hector. I said, Hector, why don't you go outside and make sure that there's, if there's any other kids that need to be inside, they can come in and we can start. He ran outside, came back. He said, Levi, all the kids are in, in the hall. The whole school is here. And so we spoke to the kids and told them about Jesus and tried to bring some life skills to help them, all from a young girl who would take one small step and start the Wednesday thing. She would then encourage young people all over the city that we were pastoring in. And we had Christian groups and young people meeting in schools all over Wellington because of her inspiration. When she took that step, she would never see the, the impact that she would have on others. She just took one small step. Don't worry, Bob Goff says, about all the steps. Just begin. What do we need to take a start in telling people about Jesus, being kind, praying? The list goes on and on, including people reading our Bible, starting new spiritual disciplines, a regular date night with your wife, daily conversations with your kids, keeping an eye on your temper, watching your attitude. All of these things can be significant changes that we need to make in our life to bear the fruit of the future. But all of these start with one small step. Your start, friend, can make an impact for people long after you finish. Your start can make an impact for people long after you finish. When Moses died and handed over the reins of the, the leadership of the journey of Israel to Joshua, who would have known that Joshua would have walked and conquered that promised land, but he wouldn't have done it without the hard work of Moses laying the platform and the foundations. I love being in Canada and learning about church history and learning about the people that have come before me and before us, realizing what they've done to pave the way for us today. Terah, the father, he failed. He gave up, he stopped, but at least he began. Your beginning can make an impact for people long after you finish. If you're taking notes, I want to talk to you about the son who passed away. His name is Haran. 
And he represents for me the dream that has died. Haran was Abram's brother and he died and they named that place Haran after him. Haran means place of decision or crossroads. We settle or we give up or we let a dream go or we get stuck in this place. But Abram used it as fuel for his future. He didn't let the place of crossroads or decision stop him. He let it propel him. The place of death can also be the place of birth. Your stop can just as easily be your start. Maybe I'm talking to you today and you have stopped. And you have, uh, and, and I think it's in 2 Samuel, David's men, the Bible says, plonked, that they were tired, they were sick, they were beaten up and they were defeated and they just plonked. They just sat down and gave up. And maybe, friend, that's you. In the middle of what it is that you're going through, there, there's a lot happening. There's, there are global fatalities taking place as a result of what we're in the middle of with COVID-19. But there are also the death of dreams and joy and hope. There's a death in the spirit of people, on the inside of people. Hope is drying up and joy is being stolen. Terah and Abram, father and son. They both make a decision in the same place and the decision that they make in that same place shape the rest of their lives. We all spend time in Haran. We might be there even right now. Terah, the father, made a decision in Haran and stopped and did not move forward. He gave up. Abram made a decision in Haran. He started and moved forward into the promises of God and became the father of faith. In the valley, in the valley of Haran, the Bible says, in the valley, Joel 3.14 says, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. In the place of crossroads, the place of decision-making, the Lord is near, the Bible says. Jaden shared in our staff meeting earlier this week, we had a prayer meeting and he shared in Hosea 2.15, it says, there, will be, uh, there I will give her back her vineyards and I will make the valley a door of hope. The valley will be turned into a door of hope because of him, amen. Because we decide not to give up, because we decide to start where we have stopped. I remember the times of disappointment in my life because really that's what can be embodied in that place of Haran is immense sense of disappointment. I remember not achieving goals, letting other people down, being let down by others, complacency, failure, failing in school, failing at university, relationships, saying dumb things, all those times I've let people down. I remember once I took a crew of young people on a road trip from Wellington to Auckland, maybe in vans, maybe a nine-hour drive, there were 30, 40, maybe 50 young people, a few of us leaders looking after them. And by mistake, I, um, I got the four vans and Jeeps to park in a, in, a, in a part of Auckland, downtown Auckland by Denny's Restaurant. That was a tow-away area. And we came out after a late night kind of like, you know, hang and, and talking and testimony time and getting some sugar in our, in our bodies before the long trip. And I came out and the cars were gone. I thought they'd been stolen. They hadn't been stolen. They'd been towed. And it cost us $2,000 to get them out from the, the wrecking yard. And at the time, I didn't have access to our church's credit card. I didn't have $2,000 of personal funds. But the guy who was driving me, because I was a speaker at the conference, said, oh, don't worry, I'll cover it. You pay me back. The embarrassment of getting the cars towed, having no money, and then owing someone, which we paid him that following week, was just such an embarrassing and disappointing moment in my life that I still regret. My greatest concern, Abraham Lincoln says, is not whether you have failed. 
but whether you are content with your failure. My greatest concern, he says, is not that you've failed, but that you are content with your failure. Haran can be a place of discouragement, but it can also be a place of encouragement where you like um, David, 1 Samuel 30, says, encourage yourself in the Lord. That you and I in Haran in that place where things seem bleak and hopeless and there's a lackluster about what it is that you face, you can make positive decisions. You want to buy that house? You can make tight financial decisions and start saving today for that future. You want to see a promotion at work? You can, see, you can walk into that future. You can knuckle down. You can be disciplined in your environment. You want to fix things with your spouse? You can start that right now. A place of discouragement can be a place of encouragement. It can be a place where things die and where things come alive. It can be a place where you settle or a place where you break through. There is a place where you can stop, can be the exact same place where you start again. The Bible talks about Terah, the father, Haran, the son who passed away. But the Bible also talks here about Abram, the son. And he represents the dreamer that will not let his dream die. And, and, and I'm talking to you today. The dreamer that is so tenacious and so decisive and so sure that you will not let your dream die by the wayside, that you will pick it up and dust it off the shelf and you will move forward step by step to fulfill the vision and dream that's on your life. Imagine the morning when Abram woke up and realized that it's time to move on. That God spoke to Abram and said, take all of your possessions, leave your father's household and go to the land that I will show you. I mean, this is really bad advice from God by way of the critique of directions. Because you and I both know when you get someone who gives you good directions, they say, here's the, here's the, you know, here's the address, here's the postcode, this is where it is, followed on maps, you can't miss it, great. But then the person who's like, oh yeah, yeah, just go down St. Laurent, take a right after such and such, second left, then you're going to find the Costco there, you're going to take a left, go past five guys, it's second on the right, third door on the left. And you, you, it's, too, it's too many. Or the person that's like, yep, go that way, you can't miss it. Just down there, just past the old, um, yep. Yeah, and the, uh, 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 yep, that's the one. And the, the directions are so lame that you know you're about to get lost. You're lost in your head even before you leave. And God says, go to the land that I will show you. But Abraham does not hesitate. He gets up and knows that's the Lord and begins to pack up and move on. He makes a decision. He advances. He breaks camp, snuffs out the fires, gathers his gear, packs his bags, loads his horses, only takes what is necessary, leaves many things behind and moves forward into the glorious promises that God has over his life. We need to in this life, friends, and you can write this down if you're taking notes, we need to travel light. We need to only bring what is necessary. The sin and regret, mistakes from your past, not necessary. The shame that you feel for the decisions you made, not necessary. Insecurities, not necessary. Big ego, not necessary. Only take what you need. At these youth camps we used to run in New Zealand, six or 700 young people, it was amazing. It was amazing to me. In fact, it became like a little, like, a little, little Bunsen burner, as they say in the UK, a little, little earner on the side where youth leaders would find the leftovers from the kids and sell them online to make money because people would just leave things behind and not come to collect them unnamed, like it was just difficult to get it back to them. And the leaders would be like, I'll sell this tent. There's 150 bucks online. I'm talking Patagonia coats, tents, expensive gear. Kids would just 
turn up to the camp, set their tent up, have a great time, and then leave. Like just the sense of like, ah, it's not necessary for my future. My mum bought it for the trip. Now I don't need it. I've used it. Now I'm moving on into the future that God has for me. They probably need to learn to uh, pack their gear up. But at the end of the day, I love the sentiment, which is I'm only bringing with me what I can carry and what I need for this journey. I told a story a number of times about a friend of ours in Auckland that were traveling the world and they were telling us they were staying with friends and they had like done one of those trips, which is like a thrift trip, not just throwing a lot of money at hotels and but you know, you've got to spend a lot of money on flights. Remember those? And, and, and so they were like, okay, we've got to only take the gear that we need. We're going to go on this thrift trip, travel the world. And I was like, that's great. That sounds amazing. That's exciting. And they said, yeah. So what we're going to do is like, we're going to go home tonight, pack our bags and make sure that we've got everything we need in as few amount of suitcases as possible, as light as possible. I was like, that's amazing. But are you telling me that you're going to practice that tonight before you travel? They're like, yeah, you got to, you got to make sure you... You only take what you need. And they were going to set aside time in their evening to practice what they were going to pack for their trip. This, my friends, is genius. This is exactly what we need to do. We need to do an audit of our lives and figure out what we bring with us and what we need to leave behind and be like Abram and move forward into the the promise God has for us. What is God asking you to leave behind? Previous hurt? I think so. False expectations, I think so. A broken heart, definitely. Religious expectation of God, religion, 100%. If you have no obstacles, what would you do with your life? If there was nothing in your way, nothing holding you back, what would you do? Matthew 19 verse 26 says, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Dreams are faith clothed in pictures. How often do we find that when God speaks to us, it's in pictures? God doesn't use words to speak. He uses vision. He uses pictures to speak to us. A picture of the future that's favorable and has you right at the center is usually what a a dream from God looks like. Step out. Start that business. Have that chat. Pop that question. Take the job. Make the change. Invest into that idea. Believe for more. Take the old idea off the shelf and believe that God will bless you. In 2007, I sat down with a pastor, a youth pastor from Auckland, New Zealand, as I traveled through the country to look at youth ministries that my pastor had sent me on like a little sojourn that I could learn from pastors and youth groups and what they were doing, and and, and I could implement that back in our home church. And so I'm on this journey, and I sit down with this pastor, and and he's telling me about this 18-wheeler truck, V-Train, that has a skate park inside the truck and folds out at local high schools. And I'm like, man... Optimus Prime for Jesus, this is the best thing ever. And he's like, he, he realizes and he's like, oh, Levi, sorry, I've got you sidetracked on the program. What you really need to figure out is not the program. That'll come. The ideas will come. The strategy will come. But you need to figure out what kind of young people you want. And I was like, I'm like, his name is Dean. I'm like, Dean, I'll have any young people. Like, I'm no, you know, I'm not deciding what kind of people come into the youth group. I have none, so I'll have them all. And he goes, no, I get that. I get that. He says, what I mean is, what kind of young people will, be, will they become? As they walk in through the doors, what kind of change are we going to see in their lives? What kind of impact is God going to have in their lives? What is he going to do that's going to love them, embrace them, and impact them for positive change? Oh man, he made me dream. I've taken that advice into everything I've ever done, to my marriage, to parenting, to Liberty City. And when I think about my marriage, like mainly I'm mainly the one that needs to change because Nadia's perfect. But I think about 
What kind of person do I want to be to serve my wife? What kind of father do I need to be to serve my kids? And it brings about galvanizing change in my life because I've got a picture of the marriage and the family that I want to be a part of. What do you see? What's in your future that you want to live in? What is it about tomorrow that you see that you are so positively impacted by? What's that old dream that you need to dust off the shelf and reinvest in? Philippians 1 verse 6 says this, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. The message says this, there has never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you would keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish on the very day Christ Jesus appears. There has never been the slightest doubt in my mind, it says, that the God who started this great work in you will keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish on the very day Christ Jesus appears. He who started a good work in you is, is confident to carry it out until completion. He who started will finish. Friend, if you're Haran, if you stopped, Terah, you started but gave up. Let's be like Abram, who in the middle of a place of decision said, you know what, I'm gonna move forward into everything that God has for me. Maybe you're here today, let me pray for you. You're saying, Levi, that's me. I've got dreams I've given up on, business dreams, family dreams, relationships that I've, I've, I've let fallen over that need to rekindle. You know, the Bible says that a smoldering wick he will not snuff out that that can be our faith, that can be our lives, a smoldering wick, but He will not snuff it out. And so if that's you, I'm praying right now for you. In fact, can, can I pray for you? Father, we're praying, God, Your vision and freshness and invigoration, we're praying for hope right now. God, vision right now for our future of families, husbands and wives and kids. Father, in our church who are watching right now in Canada and abroad, in Ottawa, in Toronto, wherever people are watching, Father, speak to them right now in their lounge rooms, kitchens and dining rooms. Speak to them, touch them through their devices, God. Impact their lives. Holy Spirit, fill them up, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, man, I need a dream for my life. That sounds great, but I don't have Jesus yet. I don't have a right relationship with God. You're telling me like He sounds like a God of vision and dreams and benevolent. He sounds really cool, but I don't know Him. Uh, you know, I would love to, I would love to bring you into a relationship with God, give you that moment where you can pray a simple prayer and get your life right with God. Jesus came, gave His life, made the ultimate sacrifice for you and me so that we could have relationship with the Father and eternity in heaven. And friend, if that's you and you're here, and you're saying, I don't know Jesus, I'm not right with God, I would love to, friend, we would love to pray with you today so that you can get your life right with God. So friend, if that's you, I'm gonna pray a simple prayer. I'll say one line, then you repeat it back to me. It goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you. I ask you, forgive me of my sin. And I thank you that you do. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Amen. Love you, church. I think I'm handing back to Nadia and Caitlin right now. Be blessed, and I'll see you next week. We are so glad you joined us at Liberty City Podcast. Please come check us out on social media and find an event to connect with us. 